Hey, you guys can have a seat. Thank you so much. As I mentioned to you, you're not going to hear from me today. Uh, on Mother's Day, I decided to preach, and I was like, what the heck am I doing? I'm not a mother. Why am I even up here talking? I'm not a dad either. So I thought it would be best if we invited four regular guys from our congregation to come and to speak to you this morning. Their topic is Lessons My Kids Taught Me. And here's what I want you guys to know. We didn't choose these guys because they're the best public speakers we could find in the church. They may be, but that's not the reason we chose them. We didn't choose them because they're perfect dads. Perfect dads don't exist. We didn't choose them because they have lots of experience teaching the scripture or standing in the spotlight with a microphone in their hand. We chose them because they're normal guys, just like you and just like the men that are seated in the auditorium today. And so we want them to know that, guys, we're 100% behind you. We don't want you to feel any pressure. In fact, we are going to be the most supportive audience that there could possibly be, okay? We're gonna clap, we're gonna cheer, we're gonna say amen, we're gonna say oh my, we're gonna say retweet if you're a millennial. It doesn't matter, we want you guys to give them lots of encouragement and feedback because come on now, it's a tough thing to stand on stage with a microphone in front of a room of 200 people. That is not an easy thing to do. Anybody want to do it? If I gave you a mic, you want to come up here? Put your hand down, sir. I'm not letting you up here. Um, it's not easy. And so these guys have agreed to do it. They feel a little bit nervous, but they don't need to because we're going to support them, okay? They're going to each have eight minutes, and they actually have a countdown clock in front of them. Time is ticking. And then this thing will explode if it hits the earth. No, that's not how it works. You won't see it, but they'll see it. So whatever it is that they offer today, man, we're going to celebrate them. And here's what I want to challenge you to do. Four speakers, and they're going to be uh, amazing. All four of them are going to be great, but there will probably be one story, one speaker, one verse that you really connect with for some reason. It's just going to be like, whoa, that's what I needed to hear today. And so as you're listening, what I want everybody, man, woman, boy, girl, doesn't matter. I want you to be listening for that one thing that somebody says that jumps out at you. And then after the service, I want you to find that person that said it and just give them a little bit of encouragement and say, hey, hey, that verse meant so much to me. Or I appreciated that story a lot because I had the same sort of thing happen in my life a week or two ago. That's a way that you can interact with and engage with the sermon and to help them to understand, man, their words are going to change lives today. All right, that's enough from me. How about we hear from these amazing guys? We're gonna kick it off by hearing from one of my absolute favorite people, Mr. Alan Manzano. Make him feel welcome. All right. Can I get 60 seconds more on the shot clock, please? No, I was joking. All right, here we go. Uh, hey, I'm cheating a little bit. I know that the topic is supposed to be something my kids taught me. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to talk a little bit more about what I learned by being a father. Is everybody okay with something like that? All right, good. Here we go. I've got two kids. I got a big one. I got a little one. Now, just like two, all brothers, they have a little tendency to do a little bit of rough housing from time to time, and that's fine. Now, what's really neat about this is I've got this little guy who can really put up a fight if he really wanted to. But the reality is I've got this big one that if he wanted to, he could lay into his little brother and do some serious damage. Now, you guys know what I'm talking about. In fact, that's exactly what I saw one day. Out of the corner of my eye, I saw this. One, one fist go up, one leg go back. It kind of like a boxer in a championship fight. Bam! Oh, Noah went down. 
And what happened next was you could hear crying all the way down the block. I guarantee you all the neighbors heard it. Now, here's the problem. Here's the thing. Guys, I love being a dad. I absolutely love being a dad. Except for one thing, discipline. Oh, man. I don't like discipline because I feel like I'm not good at it. Here's the reason why I'm not good at it is because sometimes it's just too hard. Or other times it's just too soft. I'm not good at this middle ground. And it could be because, you know, when I was growing up, spare the rod, spoil the child. That happened. I didn't hit Kai. Yeah, I didn't hit Kai. But here's what happened. Um, What happened next was, I think, actually worse. What came out of my mouth was sounded more like accusations than they did corrective statements. And you guys all know what I'm talking about. You know, it's those kind of statements around, what did you do? Why would you do something like that? You could have hurt him. You could have killed him. You could have done something worse. You know, that kind of thing. Now, he immediately deflated. And then, you know, at dinner time, oh, after apologizing, he ended up disappearing. Went up to his room. Dinner time, no words. After dinner, no words. Even right up to bedtime, no words. Now, I could only assume it was because the guilt of this whole thing had consumed him. At, at bedtime, you know, I, I said, well, I got to do something. So I sat down on the bed beside him. I pushed back some of the covers, and I sat. And I'm like, okay. I tried hugging him. That didn't work. I tried reasoning with him. That didn't work. I even tried that whole line that, you know, parents try to fool you with, where they go, hey, I know it was a mistake. We're going to learn from this. That didn't work. Instead, what I did is I pulled from the repository of different lessons that I learned over the years, and I did something like this. I got up nice and close to my son's glazed-over face, and I said these words pretty much. I'm sorry I hurt you. I am. But I want you to know something. There is nothing, absolutely nothing you can do that can make me love you any less. There is nothing, absolutely nothing that you can do because you are my son. There is nothing you can do that can make me or your mother love you any less. I think in that moment, he learned the power of love. No, no, wait, wait. I think in that moment, he learned the power of his father's love. In fact, in that moment, even I learned the power of a father's love. You know, it's almost as though I could hear God saying that exact same thing to me. You are my son. There is nothing you can do that could make me love you any less. You know, scripture teaches us this passage here. 1 John 3, 1. See what great love this father has lavished, has poured out, has blessed, has spoiled on us, despite the fact that we don't deserve it is kind of the implication here. That we should be called the children of God, and that is what we are. It's this. Despite the fact that we're still sinning, despite the fact that we're doing a bunch of wrong things, despite, that we, despite the fact that we punch our little brothers in the face, God will still love us. So long as we're called his children, it's an awesome, awesome thing. Let's switch gears just a little bit here, okay? As a father, one thing that I really want my kids to be able to prioritize in their life is the ability to be able to love people the same way that God loves people. But it is hard. TV, movies, books, 
magazines. They basically teach our children this, is that you need to prioritize doing really, really good in school so that one day you will get this fancy-dancy title. Maybe you'll be called a boss. Maybe you will become the captain of your hockey team. Maybe you will become uh, the CEO of this really big company. Maybe you will be somebody who's really important, one title after another. Well, here's the reality, guys. I know that in and of itself, these titles, they're fine. There's nothing wrong with going after titles. But the truth is, titles come and titles Titles go. See, here's the way I see this. I see it that one day we're going to stand before Jesus and we're all going to have to give an account for something that we've done in our lives. And I know for a fact what's going to happen is there's going to be some people who are going to get up there and they're going to say, Jesus, here's what I am. I was a doctor. I was a dentist. I was this. I was that. I ran this multinational company. I was a CEO. I was the captain of my hockey team. I was the captain of my football team. I was a world championship thumb wrestler. I was all of these really, really cool things. As a father, these titles are great. But what I would rather see them come up to Jesus with is testimonies. Titles are fine, but I'd rather see them come out with testimony after testimony after testimony. What kind of testimonies am I talking about? Well, maybe a testimony like this. Maybe the testimony of the neighbor girl that lives right beside us who doesn't have any other brothers or sisters comes over to our house awkwardly all the time, and the boys love her just like an older sister. Maybe that one. Maybe it'll be the story one day there's some kids that live in the back alley behind us. Their parents are going through a divorce and they end up hanging at our house because it's a safe place. Maybe it's the testimony of the food truck rally where our kids go out and they hand out the invitations for this food truck rally. Family ends up coming to the food truck rally and realizes there's such a thing as a loving church community. Maybe it's the testimony of prayers that our kids pray for their family and for their friends and God answers time and time again because of the faithfulness of these little, those kind of testimonies. Now here's the truth, guys. Those testimonies don't start because of titles. They start because someone chose to love. And they start hopefully because we were able to model love for our children. And in such, they were able to model love to the world. What did I learn from my kids? Well, this is what I learned from being a father. There is nothing that you can do that can make God love you any less. That's it. Thanks, guys. My man. And there's 30 seconds left on the clock. He didn't even need to use all the time we gave him. That's a skill I need to learn. Al, that was amazing, buddy. Testimonies over titles. There is nothing that you could ever do that would make your heavenly father love you any less. Boy, some of you needed to hear that today. All right, time for speaker number two. You guys ready? Let's make my man Evan Tillette feel very, very welcome today. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. Happy Father's Day to all the dads out there. I just want to say how much it is of an honor to speak with you guys. And Dan, I blame you for this again. (laughs) Yeah, so my name is Evan, in case uh, anyone here doesn't know. I've been attending Connect Church for about two years now. Me and my beautiful wife, Stephanie, have been married for about 10 years, and we share four beautiful kids together. We actually gave our lives to Christ 
in this very church back on January 29th, 2018. We have two boys and two girls. My oldest, Neve, is 14, followed by my son, Kyrie, who is seven. My youngest daughter at the time, Gianna, is four now. And our new guy, Cruz, is three months. Uh, that name, Cruz, will come back up in the story, so um, just be ready for it. I'd like to start with a verse that hits close to home, Psalms 127, verses 3 to 5. It states, children are a gift from the Lord. They are a reward from him. Children are born to a young man, or children that are born to a young man are like arrows in a warrior's hand. How joyful is a man's quiver who is full of them. You see, sometimes we forget just how much of a blessing our kids truly are. Today, I want to talk about a lesson I learned from my seven-year-old, Kyrie, about three months ago. So for me, it was a, a normal day at work, and I get a frantic call from my wife, and I'm thinking she's uh, about to go into labor, about to give birth, and it's, it's going down. But she's struggling to get her words out, and I, I can't tell what's happening. So I'm like, babe, you know, just calm down and tell me what you got to say. So she got it out eventually and told me that our seven-year-old Kyrie was getting bullied. And right away, I knew how tough it was for her to tell me that because we've both dealt with some bullying issues uh, when we were younger, back in grade school. So you can only imagine how hard it was for us. You see, bullying for us is a, it's just a, a sensitive topic. So five o'clock hits, uh, I'm ready to go home and have this talk with my son and, you know, just figure out what happened and just get to the bottom of it. I'm one of those dads that will go to school the next day and you know, put the two right in front of each other and say, let's, let's take care of this now. So um, on the way home, I got Eminem, a song by Eminem called Brain Damage playing in my head. So f- for those of you that know that song, super cool song about a bully uh, getting, getting knocked out in school. So don't let your kids listen to that song. <laughs> yeah, so um, that, that's pretty much what was happening. And I was just racing to get home so I could teach my son how to box and tell him... <laughs> the story about how his dad beat up his third grade bully in front of the entire school. So I get home, my daughter Gigi runs up to me, daddy, daddy, kisses, hugs, my wife, not the same thing. So she gives me this look like I stole something from her and just says, what are you going to do about this? And I was like, oh, I got it, babe, don't worry. Gave her a kiss, I head upstairs, let me be a dad. So I head upstairs, about to give my son a bath, and he seems very calm at the time, so I'm like, how do I bring this up? He he seems fine. Did he really get bullied today? And sure enough, you know, as I'm scrubbing him down in a tub, I'm like, all right, I'm just going to get straight to it. How's your day? And right away, super defeated, didn't feel good. You could just tell in his face that something happened. And I'm like, so what, what happened? Well, tell me, tell me what about your day. And he said, Dad, I got, I got pushed. I got bullied by a kid named Cruz. And we were deciding on that name. I'm like, ugh, do I want to name my son that now, <laughs> right? <laughs> so he's telling me, and he just looks defeated. So I'm like, well, did you push him back? And silence, didn't say anything. And I'm like, all right, I got to get, get my dad voice going. I got to get my dad face. I'm like, so uh, are, are you afraid of him? And he's like, no, Dad, I'm, I'm not afraid of him. With the straightest face, calmest voice, he said, if, I know I can beat him up. I know I'm stronger than him. But if I hit him, I hurt Jesus. Yeah. And I know God doesn't want that. Like, yeah. Biggest, biggest curveball ever. 
Like, dude, I'm, I'm trying to take you downstairs, turn you to the next Mayweather, get to school tomorrow. <laughs> so you can be a champ, stand on him with your, you know, and like, okay. So right away I knew God was speaking to me through my son and just, I knew I need to change my course of action. So what do we do next? We just started praying for Cruz and his family with love. And we prayed for, for him, just whatever situation he might be going through at home, um, not knowing why he's doing this, what's causing him to, to want to do this to Kyrie. And, and we just kept praying. Matthew, um, Matthew 5, verses, four, verses 44 to 46 state, but I say, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you. In that way, you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. For he gives sunlight to both the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. If you love only those who love you, what reward is there for that? I believe so much that God wants us all to have childlike faith. In a lot of ways, we can learn a thing or two from my son's story. You see, for me, growing up in Inglewood, California, I was taught to deal with bullies in a way different way. I'm still currently unlearning things that I picked up from my father before he gave his life to Christ. Now my seven-year-old is teaching me things it's taken 34 years to get. I'm just going to finish with, you know, you, you see, for, for most of my life as a warrior, I was taught to rely on my physical strength. One of my arrows in my quiver is teaching me about spiritual strength. That was a mic drop. Nicely done. Wow. So, so good. Hey, I know what I'm about to say is going to seem a little self-serving, but just bear with me for a moment, okay? Church can change things in your life. I mean, really, being surrounded by the right people, helping you to train your children to become the best that they can be, the people that God created them to be, it happens in a community like this. Thanks for letting me give a commercial. We'd love to have you back next Sunday. Okay. Dude, amazing. So, so, so good. Okay. Third in our speaker roster is my man, John Hasegawa. You guys let him know how excited you are to hear from him today. Uh, let me first I'll say how uh, um, honored I am to be speaking here in front of you and just whatever I have to say I hope that it encourages you in some way or form. Uh, let me just share with you a little bit about myself. Uh, I'm married to my beautiful wife and it's actually our uh, 13 year anniversary tomorrow so thank you. <laughs> I've got uh, two beautiful girls, uh, Jeannie who is my strong-willed six-year-old and uh, Allison, who is my even stronger-willed four-year-old. Jokes aside, I love them to death. Um, I was asked to teach with you lessons my kids have taught me, but I'm going to jump forward a little bit and share with you a little bit about uh, uh, the one thing I look forward to uh, most every day. Um, I don't know if you remember, a couple years ago, during Father's Day, Dove came out with this commercial where fathers, um, a bunch of children are saying the word daddy to their fathers. There's a girl who's being tickled by her dad. She's bursting out laughter, saying, daddy. Uh, There's a boy who's on the monkey bars, and he's really scared because he's about to fall, and he says, daddy, daddy. 
and my favorite, uh, a daddy, uh, a daughter who's all grown up now and is on her wedding day and she's dancing with her dad and with just pure joy she's saying daddy. Um, when I come home from a long day of work and I walk through the back door and I'm greeted by my two girls just running into my arms and uh, saying the words daddy, it brings me no greater joy. And, um, but a couple years ago, um, that wasn't the case. It's actually the opposite. You see, um, I was the angry daddy. Uh, the quick to judge daddy had very little compassion daddy. Um, my priorities weren't right. Um, I want to share with you a story in Mark chapter 10, verse 13. And this is a story above, uh, to start off. At this point, Jesus in his life was uh, performing miracles. Uh, people were gathering around, listening to hear him speak. And he says, it says, One day some parents brought their children to Jesus so he could touch and bless them. But the disciples scolded the parents for bothering him. So first off, I want to point out that the children were probably not lining up you know, being, wanting to be blessed by Jesus or, 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 you know, everything was orderly and everything. Instead, they were probably just jumping all over the place, so excited. Like, think about this man who just fed 4,000 with just two fish and five loaves of bread. This man who healed the blind. And these kids are going all over the place. And, of course, the disciples were there scolding the parents, saying, what are you doing? Jesus doesn't have time for you. You know, get out of the way. Um, who do I relate to in this story? Um, it, it's, it's the disciples. When I mentioned that my priorities weren't right, even though I never said this to my kids, my actions simply told them that you're in the way. I do not have time for you. See, my identity was in my job. Uh, work had become my priority. See, I, I was a performer, a perfectionist. Maybe some of you can relate. Keep, I had to keep up with his image, this standard that proved to others that I was great. And then when I got home, I no longer had to wear this mask, and um, all my frustrations from work were directed toward my family. And in fact, it drew them further and further away. Mark chapter 10, verse 14 says, When Jesus saw what was happening, he was angry with his disciples, and he said to them, Let the children come to me. Don't stop them, for the kingdom of God belongs to those who are like these children. Jesus told a simple truth that I'd forgotten. Jesus said that, if you, if you look at in, the, in this time, he was seeing the eyes of these children, and he celebrated the joy within the kids, within the children, while the disciples focused on their job, which is to keep the distractions away. I was focused on the job and forgot all about the joy. The kingdom of God belonged to those who had simple trust like children. If you think about it, when kids, in order for our kids to feel secure, uh, they just need a loving look and a, and a gentle touch from somebody who cared. And I didn't demonstrate this with my family. In fact, that's what caused them to lose their trust in me. Uh, I lost my trust in Jesus, and in fact, I was losing my joy. So I feared failing. Uh, I worked twice as hard so as not to feel the shame I once felt when I was little when, whenever I failed. I believed I wasn't good enough. And those seeds of self-doubt planted deep in my heart. And because of my hurts and pains, I was too afraid to let God in to heal what was broken. And my, ha- my family was getting hurt along the way. I took a course called Freedom Session. And uh, life-changing. Uh, I encourage anybody, uh, if they're looking for some healing, uh, t- to take this course. But 
it taught me in a group setting with other men where I felt safe and secure uh, to allow God to enter into my pain. I, I once again discovered the joy uh, it was to experience this God who loves me unconditionally. He peeled back layers and layers and layers of shame that I once felt until he got to a part of me that I'd been missing for a long time, which is my childlike heart. Isaiah 61.10 says, I am overwhelmed with joy in the Lord my God, for he has dressed me with the clothing of salvation and draped me in a robe of righteousness. When I found out how much God loved me, I was overwhelmed with joy. And you know what he said to me? He said, John, you're good enough. It doesn't matter what you've done through. It doesn't matter what kind of mistakes you made. You are good enough. So I, I saw clearly for the first time. And in fact, if you were to get anything from what I had to say with, uh, share with you today, it's this. Celebrate the joy like Jesus instead of worrying about the job. I'll say it again. Celebrate the joy like Jesus instead of worrying about the job. Because seeing for the first time, I was able to see the joy in Jesus. I was able to see the joy in being with my wife. And I was able to see the joy within my children. Like, I want to spend time with Jesus. I want to spend time with my wife. I want to spend time with my kids. Let the children come to me. Don't stop them, for the kingdom of God belongs to those who are like these children. And here's what I picture in my mind in relation to what happened next. Uh, after Jesus said these words, the children just ran to him. Jesus accepted him with open arms and he embraced them. And there's just pure joy. So when I celebrated the joy in my children, it led to the natural response any child would have when they feel loved, safe, and cared for. They ran to me. They gave me a big hug and they said the word daddy. So... What lesson did my children teach me? They taught me to see the joy once again. So I want to ask you, have you lost your joy? Ask yourself when and how you lost it. Because Jesus is here today and inviting you to come. Come and experience this joy that you had once lost. Way to go, buddy. Way to go. You guys don't know, but I actually required all of these guys to meet with me before they got up to speak, and they had to do their whole talk to me alone in a living room. It was a little weird for them. And um, when John gave his, we were all like, are you sure, man? Like, that's vulnerable. That's honest. Are you sure you want to share that much? And he said, yeah, this is what somebody needs to hear. This is what somebody needs. And so, John, thank you so much. We appreciate your honesty and transparency. This is what it's all about, right? We're all imperfect. We're all broken and flawed people trying to figure it out, and God gives us grace along the way. Hey, we've got one more speaker for you guys this morning. We are very, very excited to welcome to the stage our friend, Stephen Holbrook. How you guys doing? I just want to first off thank Amber and Dan for putting me up here. There's always a reason there's always a reason for something, and I just want to let you guys know that uh, I'm super nervous for this talk. I was texting Amber last night because I have learned so much about my journey in faith over these last couple of weeks by, by going through this, and I think that's why I'm so nervous, but for those of you that don't know me, uh, that's my beautiful wife, Melissa. We've been coming to Connects, and yeah, give her a round of applause. <laughs> Woo! 
Yeah. If that's the only thing you get from my talk, that'll be worth it. We've been coming to Connect since day one. I was raised Catholic. I was recently baptized with Connect a little over a year ago. So proud to call us our home. We have three amazing children that are here every Sunday. We have Mason, who's six, Piper, who's five, and Anna, who's three. And if you uh, haven't met Anna, you need to meet Anna, right? She's a, my whole talk's about Anna. But, you know, my, my journey with faith, my journey with God has had some peaks and it's had some valleys, and sometimes I find it hard for me to know where to start. I'm not sure if anybody can relate. So there's a couple things that I've been doing. I've been having daily conversations with God. I've been, I've been trying to reach out daily just throughout the day rather than once a week or put all this pressure on myself. And the second thing is I've been trying to really reflect on what's God teaching me through my trials. What's God teaching me, especially through my difficult times? So when I was asked to talk today in church, I thought of a situation that happened a few weeks ago at Connect, this is the scene of the crime, Dan, at Connect, in the front entrance on Superhero Day. We were on our way out, and our little three-year-old Anna didn't get the mask that she wanted. To me, it didn't seem like a big deal. To her, I mean, the world was coming to an end. She lost her mind. Anna losing her mind looks a little bit like Chucky, if you haven't seen her when she gets crazy. She, goes, she looks like Chucky. She was screaming. She was flailing. Right, one of, the, one of us was holding her arms in as we were kind of dragging her to the car. The other parent was kind of shielding the, cr- scene, the crime scene from everybody else. Just, I mean, we strapped her into her chair and she was kicking the seat and banging on the window and hyperventilating. And this was five minutes and 10 minutes and it felt like it was two hours. And my wife and I, we didn't know what to do. So any good parents, they start, you start bribing your kids. I mean, that's what good parents do, right? It's in the Bible somewhere. Um, so we, we offered candy didn't work. Then we offered Netflix. Didn't work. So all the parents know there's only one thing left you can do, offer YouTube. When YouTube didn't work, my wife and I looked at each other and we were completely lost as parents. We had no idea what to do. She was screaming at the top of her lungs. And in an instant, I looked back at her. She went silent. She looked out the window. She looked back at me with her beet red face, her swollen eyes, Her body was exhausted. She looked at me and she said, Daddy, are we having macaroni for lunch? (laughs) In a moment, she had completely moved on from her situation. And now she was talking about her dog named Dolly and her sparkle light-up shoes. Guys, it was a miraculous transition. (laughs) But listen to me here. There was no resentment anymore. There was no anger. This was a little girl that was not going to be defined by her setback. And it didn't occur to me then, but it occurred to me now. At what point in my life did I lose my resiliency? How come as I get older, I hold on to more things? And I forget less easily. And I'm, I resent more when I'm tested. In James chapter 1, verse 12, it reads, Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, because having stood the test... That person will will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. I'm going to read the first sentence again. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test. There, There is evidence in my life that suggests when I'm placed under trial, when things get hard, I don't pass the test. And I don't forgive when I should. And unlike my daughter Anna taught me that morning, I do hold on to things. And I have a hard time letting go. And I wasn't putting my faith in God as I should have been. 
especially when it came to my health challenges. Many of you know, some of you might not. I battled with Crohn's disease my entire life. In so many ways, it's almost defined me. Hospitals, my whole life growing up. Surgeries, my whole life growing up. And a few years ago, it just came to a point where I was just ready to give up. I lost my rectum. I lost my colon. I lost eight feet of bowel. I was, I mean, I was, I I thought I was going to die. And I just, it was the hardest test at the time. It was the hardest test. And yes, there were years of pain, but there were years of emotional pain for me. And although I fought through and I battled and I guess I persevered on paper, there was a lot of anger. I was mad. I was resentful. I had a lot of questions that weren't going answered. Why so young, unmarried, having to live with an ostomy? And I hated who I was. I couldn't look at my scars. I couldn't look at myself in the eye for about four or five months. It was a hard time for me. And it wasn't just showing up in my health. It was showing up in other areas of my life too. And I see now that by me acting a certain way and by me not putting my faith in God, essentially I was turning my back to him. And by turning my back to him, I was pushing him further away and further away. And it was a lonely time. What I've learned through this experience has been so powerful because I made a decision. I made a decision that moving forward, I wasn't just going to take a step back and take a breath. Take a step back and take a breath. Because that was old Steve. New Steve is going to take a step back, take a breath, and then I'm going to ask God to give me what I need. Because I am weak. And I'm still broken. And I need help. And I have a shortfall. And I'm going to pray for the belief. And I'm going to pray for the perspective. And I'm going to pray for the strength so that the next time that I'm tested... It's not just a test, but it's an opportunity for me to get closer to God. For us to build on that relationship as he helps me heal my weaknesses. Because Lord knows I have a lot of weaknesses. And lastly, God, I understand that these trials that you're putting me through are minute compared to the larger plan that you have for us. The larger plan that you have for me, the plan of eternity. And as I close, I just want to challenge everybody in this room for a minute. I just want you to imagine that the next time you get tested, what if we put our faith in God? What if we ask God to heal us and we stood up to that test and we reached out and we prayed and we didn't try and walk it alone and we didn't try and do it all by ourselves and we, don't, we, we, we realize that we can't coach ourselves out of the same problem that we had the level of thinking that we got into it with, that we need help, that we need him. We have to have faith. What if we stood up to that test and we prayed for the resilience to overcome and the strength to let go? To overcome and to let go. Just like our children teach us every single day. Thank you guys. I appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Thanks, Dan. You guys, I just, I'm so, so glad that these fellas were willing to step up this morning and to speak from the heart. Um, You may have noticed that none of these guys spoke from a place of strength. They didn't get up and say, let me tell you what a great dad I am. Let me tell you what an amazing follower of Jesus I have become. No, they said, I'm figuring this out and I get it wrong probably more than I get it right. They shared with you their shortfalls, their weaknesses, hey, even some of their sins. 
one of the things that I hope you'll walk away knowing this morning is that although these guys are broken and flawed and they fall short sometimes, their family loves them still. More importantly, their heavenly father loves them still. You don't have to be perfect to have a relationship with God. In fact, the only thing that will keep you from a relationship with God is believing you're perfect and you don't need a relationship with God. So here's what I wanna do, because I think their words have impacted some of you. Some of you have been around for a while and you've heard the messages. And I wanna give you an opportunity to respond to your heavenly father, to allow his love to overcome any of your shortcomings or to overcome any of your past or any of your wounds or any of your attitude issues. Whatever it is, I wanna give you the chance to cry out to the father who created you, who loves you and has a plan for your life. So I'd love it. I'd love it if you just bow your heads and close your eyes. I'm gonna lead you in a very short prayer. It's an opportunity again to ask God to give you the same grace and love that these gentlemen have experienced. You might say something like this, dear God, I need you in my life. I need a fresh start and I need your love to set me free. Help me to trust you and not in my own strength. I pray this in your name, amen.